Hey, my name's Ruben, the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. Welcome to our podcast, where you can catch up on all the messages that you might have missed, or you might want to hear again. We hope you enjoy this message. We hope it challenges you. We hope it encourages you. And we hope ultimately that it would draw you closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Um, my name is Andrew Warnock. It's a privilege to be here. Uh, and we're, we're in the middle of this, um, this series, uh, a short series at Crossroads called Valleys. And uh, and I've uh, been asked to uh, bring a, a passage of scripture uh, to you this morning. And I just want to ask in, in preparation, in fact, I think I may have asked this question the last time I preached. Um, could I just have a show of hands of those people who have read the passage before coming to church today? Okay. Um, that's good. That's a, that's a, that's a small number. Um, can I just tell you about my experience when I first read it? Um, Reuben sent me a message one day and said, hey, do you want to preach in this series, uh, do a sermon on Jeremiah in Valleys? And I said, yeah, great, that would be good. Ten days later, he sent me um, some more information with the passage. And uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I, wrote, I opened it up and my heart sank um, and I had quite a visceral reaction to it. Um, and in, in fact, I showed it to my wife and my son and they turned up their noses and to be perfectly honest, I thought, what on earth am I supposed to do with this passage? Um, uh, so much so that I actually went back to Reuben and, and said, mate, uh, uh, are, you, are you sure about this? Um, in fact, here's the, here's the email. There's not many more miserable passages in the whole Bible than this, Reuben. Are you sure you want me to do a sermon on that? That's your lead pastor, folks. Cheers, mate. I'm actually really glad that that got a laugh because I kind of get a feeling that I'm not going to get many more laughs in this sermon. <laughs> um, could I just say, though, that um, I did get a bit more encouragement um, from other more reliable sources, i.e. my mother. Wow, what a passage of scripture you have to preach on next week. And if you can't tell, those are two wide-eyed emojis and two praying emojis. Thanks, mum. Um, so anyway, today's a doozy, and if, um, you, if you're not familiar with this passage, then um, be prepared for a bit of a ride, because we'll read it, and uh, you might just wish that you hadn't come to church, because uh, it's dark. Yeah, <laughs> you and me both. Um, so we've got, I'm going to read this passage. So Jeremiah was a, a prophet, uh, and he was a prophet who lived at the end of the existence of the nation of Israel. Uh, and he was given a task by God to speak God's word to the nation of Israel as they were in a terminal decline. Um, it wasn't just a single message, it was a lifelong message. Um, and for 30 years, Jeremiah uh, had the same thing to say to the same nation, and he got the same response uh, over, over those 30 years. And this passage, Jeremiah 20, verses 7 to 18, um, it's kind of this visceral climax that Jeremiah had personally to the life that God had led him into, this, this life of faith, this life of obedience and trust in God, but this incredibly difficult life. Um, so we're going to read it. Uh, and as we read through the passage initially, I'm going to make a few kind of um, initial comments, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about how on earth we negotiate something like this and why something like this is in the Bible. 
So Jeremiah 20, verses 7 to 18. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him, denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he'll be deceived and then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them. For to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb, with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb? To see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame. Stony silence in the room. I know the feeling. Um, this, this is a poem in three stanzas. Um, and just very briefly, this first stanza, um, Jeremiah is saying, one way or the other, Lord, I'm stuffed. If I speak the words that you've given me, I'm, I'm ridiculed, I'm mocked, I'm insulted, and I get reproach from every direction. But if I don't speak... I'm consumed from within. So whichever way I go, I'm stuffed. The second stanza has got some good bits in it. And you might think, oh good, there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm not so sure. Jeremiah is saying here that, look, there's a battle going on and I'm totally stuck in the middle. On one side, there's my persecutors, the wicked. May they stumble May they be disgraced and be dishonoured. God, let me see your vengeance on them, those enemies who are against me. On the other side, there's the Lord, who's with me like a mighty warrior, the Lord, the rescuer. To you I commit my cause, but I am stuck in the middle of these two parties. And it's not a comfortable place to be. And then there's the third stanza, which is um, so sad, it's a lament. 
Now, the concept of lament is not something that we're really familiar with, but it's something that the uh, people in the time uh, that the scripture was written were really, uh, um, uh, they were a lot more familiar with. Uh, a lament is a poetic outpouring of grief. Um, common in the culture and time of the Bible, did you know that about one-third of all of this 150 psalms are psalms of lament? They're actually so, uh, songs of sadness, not songs of joy. Um, and Jeremiah is feeling so bad about how his life is, he wishes he'd never been born, and he pours out his despair in this third stanza of, of, um, of this poem. So... If you've got questions like, how on earth did Jeremiah get so low as this? And even questions like, what on earth is this doing in the Bible? Then um, you're not alone. The thing is, reading this passage, Jeremiah 20, it's a bit like having a novel in your hands. Uh, and without reading the book, turning to the last two or three pages and reading the last two or three pages. And I know there's some people who do that, and some people who take quite a lot of pleasure in that, but there's a problem with it, eh? Because while on one hand, you get to grips pretty quickly with how the story ends, you miss the story. You miss the meaning. You miss the nuance. You miss the themes. You miss how you got to the climax. And that's kind of where we're at at the moment. So what I'd like to do um, is, in, um, is in a couple of bites is to provide some context, some, first of all, some immediate context. What was happening right at the time when Jeremiah spoke these words? Um, and then some um, broader and earlier context. So if we're going to think about some immediate context, it involves a bit of wider reading, some wider reading around this passage. And just to briefly summarise the situation that Jeremiah finds himself in, we know the story, don't we, of how the nation of Israel was formed. It was formed out of a promise that God made to Abraham. And God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and through that blessing, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. That's how the nation of Israel uh, was formed. God's only requirement of that nation was to remain faithful to God, and God would fulfill his promise. But by the time of Jeremiah, such pervasive decay had set in that the only correct response that could come from God was a cleansing judgment. The decay had been so great. So let's read um, what is actually going to be an abbreviated version of Jeremiah 19 and 20. You might like to follow it along in your Bibles, but I have abbreviated it because these passages are quite dense and there's a lot of kind of things going on, but I've, what I've taken here is a, a kind of a summarized version. So Jeremiah 19, the Lord is speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, go, Jeremiah, take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom and proclaim there the words that I tell you, and these are the words that you shall say. Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such disaster on this place 
that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. Because the people have forsaken me and have profaned this place by making offerings in it to other gods whom neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known. And because they have filled this place with the blood of innocents and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree, nor did it even come to my mind. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place shall no more be called the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And in this place I will make void the plans of Judah and Jerusalem and will cause their people to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hand of those who seek their life. So this is the message that the Lord gave Jeremiah to speak to his nation. Not just a one-time message, a lifetime message. Chapter 20. Now Pashur the priest, who was the chief officer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. Then Pashur beat Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks. The next day, when Pashur released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, The Lord does not call you a name, Pashur, but terror on every side. Oh, by the way, just so that it's clear about what it is to be put in the stocks, this is a a rendering of Jeremiah being put in the stocks. Now, the stocks is not a torture device. You don't get your arms and... Uh, legs and your neck held in that device as a, as a, uh, to hurt you, but it holds you in that place. And people are put in the stocks for a day or for, a, for two days or for a week. And the punishment is that everybody who comes by somebody who is in the stocks can do whatever they like. They can beat you with a stick. They can throw rocks or rotten fruit at you. They can tickle your feet, which is its own form of torture. Or they can just curse you to your face or spit on you. And that's what happened to Jeremiah after he spoke these words to the nation of Israel. He was put in the stocks and and he suffered that indignity. This is a continuation of the message that the Lord had for Pashur, the head priest. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. They shall fall by the sword of the enemies while you look on. And I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon. He shall carry them captive to Babylon and shall strike them down with the sword. Moreover, I will give all the wealth of the city and all its gains, all its prized belongings, and all the treasures of the kings of Israel into the hands of their enemies, who shall plunder them and seize them and carry them to Babylon. And you, Pashur, and all who dwell in your house, shall go into captivity. To Babylon you shall go. There you will die. There you will be buried, you and all your friends, to whom you have prophesied falsely. Jeepers, these are dark times. 
I'm in my kind of reading and in preparation um, for this talk. I, I came across this quote by a commentator, W.G. Moorhead, and it just seems to sum up the, the drama of the times that Jeremiah found himself. It was Jeremiah's lot to prophesy at a time when all things in Judah were rushing down to the final and mournful catastrophe, when political excitement was at its height, when the worst passions swayed the various parties, and the most fatal counsels prevailed. It was his to stand in the way over which his nation was rushing headlong to destruction, to make an heroic effort to arrest it and to turn it back and to fail, and be compelled to step to one side and see his own people, whom he loved with a passion, plunge over the precipice in the wide, weltering ruin And so, where on earth do you go when you're feeling so bad that you regret the day of your birth? Well, the only place that you can really go is right back to the beginning, to the place where the whole journey started, to the place where God initially called Jeremiah, because it's in those origin stories that we find the deepest meaning and when we go back to the origin story of Jeremiah, I want us to ask this question. Is it, is it possible to make some sense of the place that Jeremiah ended um, himself up in, into? So we're going to go back to Jeremiah chapter 1. And there's a, a short passage here, Jeremiah 1 verses 4 to 9, which give an account of the first words that God ever spoke to Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah's commissioning. These are the, the words that started um, the, minister, the life and ministry of Jeremiah. Let's read those together. Now the word of the Lord came to me, so Jeremiah speaking, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, oh Lord, behold, I don't know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Don't say I'm only a youth. To all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So right at the very, very beginning of Jeremiah's story, the Lord visits Jeremiah and he says three things to him. Uh, the bold on that slide doesn't really show up, but can you see the fact that there's three specific things that the Lord says to Jeremiah in his commissioning? So at the time when Jeremiah was a youth 
and he heard these things, I'm sure he thought to himself, okay, God's speaking to me here, this is great. But 30 years later, when Jeremiah is crying out to the Lord from the depths of chapter 20, these three things that the Lord said to Jeremiah take on new meaning and significance, and they become not just nice words, but they become words of sustenance, and they become words that give life. Uh, And I don't know if you noticed, but uh, and if you didn't notice, don't worry too much because I'm going to show you. But the three specific things that the Lord told Jeremiah um, in chapter 1 are the three things that map specifically to Jeremiah's lived experience in the three stanzas of, of chapter 20. They map on identically, and I'm going to show you that. In Jeremiah 20, in the first stanza, the key verse in that first stanza is this one. But if I say, I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. God's words in my heart are like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. The foil to that is in Jeremiah 1.9, where the Lord said to Jeremiah, Behold, Jeremiah, I have put my words in your mouth. The God who spoke and the world was created. The God who breathes and inanimate objects become alive. Jeremiah, it is this God who is speaking to you. And I want you to remember the words that are in your mouth are my words. They are words of truth and power and life and love. Never forget that as hard as it gets, never forget that these are my words that are in your mouth. The second stanza, the key verse, uh, to me anyway, is uh, this central verse uh, which says, The Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. Lord Almighty to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy. And in Jeremiah 1, verse 7, But the Lord said to me, To all whom I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah, I have commissioned you for a specific task, to go to a people and to speak to them, and this is what you will do. Go and speak. Don't be concerned about the results of those words. Just go and speak. Whatever may come your way, don't be afraid. And I want you to remember that I am the God of heaven and earth and I am physically present with you. And whatever circumstance you find yourself in, as a result of what I have asked you to do, I, the God of heaven and earth, will deliver you. Never forget that, Jeremiah. The third stanza, um, 
in Jeremiah 20 is the lament poem where Jeremiah curses the day that he was born and he asks the question, why did I ever come out of the womb? God beautifully preempts that right at the very start. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart for a very specific task. I know you're feeling really bad, Jeremiah. So bad that despite everything you and I have been through, you wish that you had never been born. I hear you. I want you to remember. It was my specific purpose that you were born. Even before you were born, I knew who you were. I knew what your personality was going to be like. I knew what your heart was going to be like. Even before you were born, I had set the course and purpose of your life for you. Never forget, forget that. As we um, negotiate the varied aspects of the life of faith, there will be times when the burden of the life that we are given to live becomes heavy. And in those times, the margins between calling out to God in faith and being completely derailed, the margins are paper thin. Jeremiah teaches us something are very clear here that when times are at their worst, we have a desperate, desperate need to go back to the origins of our faith. And those pivotal moments that God, uh, when God divinely and incisively calls us and directs us and leads us, and to remind ourselves of those things. As God said to Jeremiah, I want you to remember and I want you to never forget. So are those things true in our life. And in times when our hearts are so weak that we are unable even to do that for ourselves, that's the time when we see the incredible value of life in a community of believers because when we are unable to remind ourselves of those truths, then our brothers and sisters can remind us and sustain us. I wonder what those origin truths are for you. Are yours the same as Jeremiah? Do you have those fundamental beliefs surrounding the power of God's word in your life and the way that he has spoken to you in the past? Do you have that clear sense of commissioning from God where God has called you to do something or to say something? And in those moments where things feel very shaky, do you hear the voice of God say, I am physically present with you in the task that I have given to you to do. Do not be afraid? Or is it to do with your own personal sense of value, that knowledge that the God of heaven and earth 
created me, but not only created me, knew me before I was created and had express intent and purpose for me, for how I would turn out, for the life that I would lead and for the places that he would lead me into. Are, are these the stories of origin that rest strongly in your heart? They need to be strongly in your heart because there will be times when holding on to these truths of origin is the only thing um, that can keep you alive. Um, a couple of days ago, uh, Jake asked me to lead into communion from this sermon. Uh, and I was pleased to do that. I really uh, love the, um, the ceremony of communion and all that it represents. But as I thought about um, the sermon this morning and what it is that we celebrate uh, at communion, um, it occurred to me uh, two days ago in a, in a way that I had not seen in the last three weeks as I've been preparing for this sermon, that actually... Uh, the story of Jesus is seen in the story of Jeremiah, and I, I wonder if you picked up on the flavour of that as we read through the story. Like Jeremiah, before he was born to Mary, Jesus was consecrated by the Father for a specific purpose. Like Jeremiah, Jesus was sent to a people. He was sent to speak to a people who would not only not accept his message, but they would meet his message with violence and with death. We read this in Isaiah 53, that God's faithful servant was despised and rejected by man. Like Jeremiah, Jesus experienced the depths of despair. We read of what happened to him in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus begged the Father to take away the massive burden that he felt that he couldn't carry. But even in that circumstance, he still submitted to the Father's will. We read in the Gospels of Jesus on the cross, crying out to the Father, Why have you forsaken me? Why are you absent from me? But even in that moment, still submitting to the will of the Father. In Isaiah 53, we read of God's faithful servant being a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But our Lord Jesus persevered, and in his perseverance, God's faithful servant has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Again from Isaiah 53, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see. He shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be considered righteous. This is the story of the Lord Jesus. The story of Jeremiah is the story of the Lord Jesus who took on suffering and burden because he could see that moment where as a result of carrying that burden on our behalf that many 
would be made righteous. And that story reverberates through history. And here we are, more than 2,000 years later, taking bread and taking, uh, taking juice to remember and to proclaim the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ who does that for us. Isn't that beautiful? So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you to come. Uh, And as we eat and as we drink, we remember and we proclaim. God, there are some moments when it's hard to know exactly what it is to pray. We are drawn to moments of prayer and closeness to you, but sometimes the words are not present to express things that are happening inside. Father, we take a great joy from the origin story of Jeremiah and we hold on to those truths in our own lives that you, the great God of creation, made us and know us and treasure us and set us aside for a specific purpose and plan, and we are so grateful for that. We're so grateful that at those times when you draw us into something and it becomes very difficult, you strengthen us and you encourage us and you tell us to not be afraid but to trust in you. God, what else can we say but to you, I have committed my cause. And then as we consider the Lord Jesus, your faithful servant, who experienced those same things in different ways as the prophet Jeremiah did, but he did it specifically on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to do those things ourselves. So, Father, we take great joy in your faithful servant, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for him. We proclaim his name and we bless you for him. And as we eat and as we drink in this moment, we proclaim his death, his burial and his resurrection. And we long for his coming. Jesus, we love you and we just uh, we acknowledge your enriching and close personal presence with us. I pray that this moment of communion would be a time of special closeness uh, with you. And I pray that this would be a fundamental feature of our lives, that despite the valley that we might find ourselves in, that we would always find our place of rest and peace and comfort uh, in your arms. So we take communion in your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like any more information on our church, how to give, or maybe after today's message you'd like to talk to someone, you can find out everything you need to know on our website, which is crossroads.co.nz. 
Make sure you click subscribe on this podcast so you don't miss out on new content. Thanks for stopping by.